0: Okay. Boy, y'all really do a good job of talking. I like it. You're really into it. It is good to be back. Good to be here. Thank God. No pain for four or five days. But I tell you what, y'all had a great message last Sunday. Pastor Brian, thank you. I wished I could have learned how to walk on water, but it didn't work for me. (laughs) All right, if you have your celebration guide, if you are a guest your first, second, third time, please fill that out. Rip it off at the perforation. Drop it in the offering plate. And then again, there's so many things on here. We, we're not gonna be able to read them all, but I do have a, a plan for announcements in the future of things that we want to do. I'll share that with you uh, as I get ready to preach the message in a few minutes. But um, you can read the different things that are, that are uh, going on regularly But I'd like to point out a few things on the back. One of them is the um, at the bottom, uh, participate in. So anyway, having said that, are y'all ready to worship a little bit? (laughs) Then let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
1: Go, okay.
2: Sun, to rise every morning Colors the sky With the shades of His glory Wakes us in mercy and love Jesus died Who holds the lawful And comforts the will Cries for injustice feels every and messiah? The pain of His children Jesus died I believe that he does Who sings the song of sweet forgiveness Who stole the keys to heaven
1: If your name is the greatest? Your name stands above them all. All thrum- That is above all name. And one day, every tongue and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And Father, we are gonna, not gonna wait to that day. We are confessing today you are Lord of all and we praise and we worship you. This morning as we continue our worship, we pray that you would bless our offering and use it so every knee will one day bow and they would all confess Jesus. So we pray, God, that this money would be used to reach those people for your kingdom's sake. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
3: As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, We find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all and find meaning. Just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It is only through the grace of God we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, he fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in his orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and his plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear.
1: have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere have you ever felt like you could disappear like you could fall
2: believe you'll be okay cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand you can reach reach out your
1: ground, you will be found, so let the sun come streaming in, cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again, lift your head and look around, you will be found. carry you and when, when you're broken, broken on, on the ground the you will be found so when the sun comes streaming in cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again and if you only look, look around, around
2: you will be found
0: Thank you guys. New song. I'm still getting used to this chair thing rather than my stool, but I'm thinking I'm liking it. You know Thank you, Dave. All righty. Well, I'm not that good. I can't preach without my notes. Uh, thank you Thank you, Dave. Brian, did you use a computer, a pad last week to preach? You're crazy, man. Them, them, them things can go out. Ask Steve. And then you, you don't have any of your notes there. See, this is, this is mine. See, look at that. Blue, orange, yellow, red. It's all kinds of stuff. Well, I was reading in my Bible about two months ago. Uh, we were in that series that we just finished up. And I read a, a statement that Jesus made in uh, Matthew chapter five, and it really just struck me. I thought, you know, that's the most important subject in the universe, and we've got to talk about it, and I want you to be able to listen today with open ears and an open heart, and I've been praying for you. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would take his words and touch your heart with them, There's no way that I can put a message together. It's not about point one, two, three. It's not about clever, funny stories. It's about the Holy Spirit convicting you. So if you feel moved, if if the Lord touches you in some way today, then I would ask you to respond. When we get to the decision time, let the Lord speak to you. Because this is a very vital message, and it is on righteousness. Um, I'm going to share with you, uh, again, I have time, so I wanted to thank you uh, and take time this morning to just say what a privilege it is. I feel so blessed to be a part of this church because a lot of you don't know this, and one of the things we're gonna be doing as I've talked with Nicole and Steve about is about once every three months, because we have so many new people all the time, about once every three months is to put in your bulletin a a sheet that will tell you all the things that we do as a church, all the activities where the Bible studies are at, and and all the things that you you are a part of, uh, whether you're physically there or you give your offerings. But folks, with the hurricane just ending, and quite a few of our people, well, not a lot, but a, a, a good number, living on the water, having damage, we, we had people that were out there. The very next day, we were calling every single person we could think of, trying to find out what can we do to help. Some of you were helping your friends in the church on your own. We, we thank God for that. Um, we've helped smaller churches galore. Uh, the, the, the church in Homosassa, the church at Ozella, um, we, in between that with the uh, church out at uh, Cross Ridge out in the Lecanto area, uh, red level, all this we've done, and, and we do it continually of, of helping these churches. I was going into publics yesterday. The pastor of the little community church at Ozella was coming out. I, I called him over. We talked a little bit. He told me about what they needed—not a lot, not not big, or not a lot. But we're going to try to be able to to help them with that to get them back on their feet. Um, we partner as a church. We partner with Daystar. It's a Catholic organization right down the road, but we partner with them. You know, because they have the system that we can provide food and everything for them. They can give it out. When we have big things going on here and uh, or our regularly scheduled meetings and we have food and food's left over, we take it to the homeless mission uh, right down the road here. Um, and, and we're doing that all the, all the time. Uh, and again, my heart just kind of overflows, you know, that, that, we, we help the sanctuary mission, the grace mission, nursing homes every week, Samaritan's Purse. It just goes on and on. And, and, and I, there's things I know I've forgotten, um, that, that, that the church does. So anyway, hope, hopefully we'll get that done and you'll be able to see, and maybe, uh, that will encourage you to maybe get, uh, involved more, um, you know, I, when I was getting ready to preach this sermon on righteousness, uh, it was like, well, what are you going to say? And then it was, where are you going to stop? Because there were so many passages, so much, especially the New Testament, that uses that word of, of righteousness. And um, I, so I started thinking about that pastor. That it was his first um, first church, and it was out in Montana, and it was winter. And uh, he went to church that day, and it had snowed two feet the night before. And he got to the little church, and only one rancher showed up. And they're sitting there, and they looked at each other for a while. And finally, the pastor said, well, what do you think we ought to do? And the rancher said, well, I'm not real smart. But if I go out to feed my cows, and only one shows up, I feed him. So he said, well, all right. He said, you know, you're right. So he preached for two solid hours. When it was finished, he looked at the rancher and said, "Well, what do you think?" He said, "Well, like I told you, I said, I'm not real smart, but if I go out to feed my cows and only one shows up, I don't dump the whole wagon on him." So that's that's kind of what I don't want to do today. I don't want to dump the whole wagon on you. In fact, um, one of the one of the best true true one of the best descriptions of what it means, I think, to preach a sermon. I had read from an old black pastor who did not have the opportunity for a lot of formal training, but I believe he got it more than a lot of us get it. And he said this about his preaching. This this is good, Steve, for you and Brian. This is what he said about preaching. He said, number one, I tell them what I'm gonna tell them. Number two, I tell them what I told them I was gonna tell them. And number three, I tie a knot in it all. And so, what we're gonna be looking at today is Paul tying a knot in it all. Of what he told them in Romans 1 and 2, he's gonna tie a knot in it all. Um, He's summing up, really, everything that he said in the first two chapters. And it is a very vital message on righteousness. We don't hear that word much anymore, except when you're reading your Bible, you may read it and go right, right through it. But as I was reading, as I told you my scriptures, it, it was talking about this over and over again. And then I started looking at it in my concordance and it is throughout the entire Bible. And Jesus said in his sermon on the Mount, blessed or happy or happy, are those who hunger and thirst after what righteousness? And then, and this is the, this was the key for my message today. Then he made a very disturbing statement that I believe for many people. He said in Matthew five twenty, "Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven." Isn't that pretty strong? You exceed. I'm going to talk about what that means more later. I take this to mean that there is a righteousness that can be produced by man, and it is totally inadequate before God. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now, I've heard that passage uh, preached. I've used it myself. I've heard it used. I think I've heard it misused at times. But folks, there is no doubt, there is no question that there is a large number of people in America today who believe that we are in trouble. Let, listen, um, let that, let, don't let there be a question about what I'm going to say. And that is simply this. We are approaching the end of the age. Folks, you you need to hear that. Every individual, young people, you need to hear that. We are, are approaching the end of the age. We are just one global disaster or catastrophe away from the one world government that Jesus said would be set up. We are just one. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, look, you go back to 2020, 2021, with the COVID thing and all that they did and all they got the world to do over uh, something that was not real. I mean, the virus was real, but the fear was not. And folks, you see how easily a world of people can now be deceived. How a whole world can be deceived. And because, are you listening? Because righteousness exalts a nation. The only hope for America lies in God's people getting right before God. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God would be so willing to do that to America in a heartbeat if we were to turn to Him. Now, as I said, Paul is kind of summing up chapter three, what he said in chapters one and two. And he tells us about three kinds of righteousness in chapter three. And again, that word righteous, depending on what commentary you read, it could mean dressed right. You know, not like this, but spiritually, we we are dressed in the in the in the um, character and the and the forgiveness of God. And you know, that's the righteousness talks also about being in right standing before the Lord and and us living the right way before the Lord. Now, since the Bible says and we read it that no one can see God without righteousness, it's something we need to know about, and we need to know if we've got the real thing or not. You cannot have, please listen to this, you cannot have in a country or a state or a county or a town or a church, you cannot have righteousness by legislation. As much as we would like, we've seen it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get involved. And that doesn't mean we stand up and we fight for legislation that protects the innocent and protects those that are wanting to live for the Lord. You, But we will not have righteousness by a, a legislation change or a political party change. We've been changing political parties for years, and look, we're still headed down the wrong slope. And it will not happen because of a president change. And we need another president change because, ladies and gentlemen, Righteousness does not come from the outside in. It comes from the inside and works its way out. And so in Romans six thirteen, Paul says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Now watch this. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So when I read that, I thought, okay, the only way that my hands can be righteous hands is if I have a righteous heart. The only way that my eyes can be righteous eyes is if I have a righteous heart. The only way that my mouth and my words can be a righteous mouth and words is if I have a righteous heart. The only way that my daily activities can be righteous activities is if I have a righteous heart. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. It says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I want to ask you individually, carefully, do you have biblical righteousness? Now, in this chapter 3, Paul points out three kinds that we're going to cover. First of all, in verses 1 through 8, he says, there is a righteousness by inheritance, and it can't be done. And then in verses 9 through 19, he says, there is a righteousness by works can't be done. And then he says in verses 20 through 31, there is a righteousness by grace. It must be done. Are you with me? Let's jump into the first one. Righteousness by inheritance. You see, to understand this, why the teaching of Jesus was so radical and the things that they, why they wanted to kill him and Paul later, is because they were talking so much about your inheritance has nothing to do with this. Just because you are a child of Abraham born into the Jewish race does not mean that you're going to make it into heaven. And because they they literally thought, well, if you're a child of Abraham, you're, you're done, you're in, you're in. And that is why they would have been so shocked and were shocked. When Jesus called Nicodemus, you know, a, a, a corrupt, corrupt tax collector, but a Jew, they couldn't believe that Jesus said about him. You read it; he is a child of Abraham. That 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 would all oh, that would have eaten them up. They wouldn't like to think that, and they would not have liked to have thought that they could be a child of Abraham and still not make it to heaven, because they believed it came by inheritance. So here's what Paul says to them in Romans three, verse one. Well, what advantage then? is there in being a Jew? This is what they're saying to Paul. Or what value is there in circumcision? You see, circumcision was the sign of them being in, in, in the kingdom, all right? Much in every way. First of all, they, talking about the Jewish race, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. Folks, There to make this applicable to today, there are still people in, in churches, I believe, across America today, who believe that their righteousness has been somehow inherited. You know, pastor, listen, I'm saved. Listen, my mother, my grandmother was a great righteous woman. So I, you know, I, I was born in a Christian home. A lady came up to a pastor, true story, after a church service. And she said to him, she said, you know, I just kind of felt like I should have come forward today. He said, well, why? She said, I don't really know, but, you know, after your message, and I, I just kind of felt like I needed to do something. Um, and he said, well, let me ask you a question. Um, do you know that you're saved, that you're born again? And then she gave a very classic answer that I'll guarantee you, and I heard it this week. I heard it at a restaurant this week to someone I was talking to and praying with that was having a problem. And they said this, well, preacher, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Folks, I told you this, I believe, about a month ago. On the authority of God's word, you have not, and I have not always been a Christian. Your mother may have been the sweetest thing on earth. Listen, like mine was. I woke up nearly every morning, honestly, to my mother singing hymns. I mean, that's just what she did. You may have the entire New Testament memorized, but that won't make you righteous. I remember back in the 70s here in Citrus County, they were changing a lot of the building codes and laws. And some of you may remember this if you're older like me, that um, some guys that had been in electric or plumbing work for a long time, they got what they call grandfathered in. They got their license grandfathered in. Well, that doesn't work in the Lord's kingdom. I remember knocking on a door in Bayfield, Colorado one time. We were out uh, uh, inviting people to a series of service, uh, services we were going to have. And this big old burly, I mean the hairy guy, no shirt on, he came to the door. And he said, well, 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 I started telling him what I was doing. Preacher, 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 my wife's got enough religion for the both of us. That's <laughs> what he said. And I didn't say it, but I wanted to say it, no. It is not until a man or a woman is born again of the Spirit of God that he's got enough religion. He's not righteous. Um, Paul is dealing with that here, and he's dealing with it in in the instance also of them being circumcised. We don't have that so much today, but there are people today who believe that because they were baptized or believe that because they took the Lord's Supper, or you know, call it a sacrament or whatever. Paul says, "Look, it is not by ordinance keeping that a person is made righteous." You see, that's why the Jews ask, "Well, then, what profit is there of us even being a Jew if we're not going to make it to heaven on our inheritance?" Now, folks, some of you go figure this out real quickly. Some of you it'll take you later today. I was going to a Baptist church, First Baptist Crystal River, nine months before I was ever born. I went to the nursery. I went to the primaries. I went to the juniors. I went to the sunshines. I went to the RAs. If I could slip into the GAs, that was the girls. I'd slip into there. I went to the youth. I was baptized at 12 years of age, and at 20 realized you don't have righteousness. You you've been yes you you've got your name on the roll um, and, and you've you've been baptized, folks. I had, and you may have heard this before from other people, but I had a head knowledge, but I didn't have a heart trust. And you may have heard it before, but it is absolutely true, and I want to say it and hope some of you will understand this. If God, if the Lord had to come before I made that right decision, I would have missed heaven by about 18 inches. The difference from my heart to my head. And and, And it frightens me to think that there are maybe many people still in in Bible-believing churches today who were as deceived as I was, thinking that I was okay and going to heaven. After all, I did. I went to church three times a week, and I was baptized, and and my name was on the church roll, and I was involved in church activities. But folks, if a man or a woman never repents of their sin... And ask for forgiveness from the Lord through Jesus Christ. You can let me baptize you 100 times. And you will go in a dry center and come out a wet center. And still not make it to heaven. Because it's not about inheritance. Acts twenty twenty one, Paul said, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance. And have faith in our Lord Jesus. Folks, I say this kindly, but hell is full of people who have trusted their eternal life to a righteousness by keeping ordinances. They were baptized. They were on a roll. They were whatever you want to add there. And that is why, listen, that is why we believe in the priesthood of the believer. That means that whenever you take that wafer in your hand, And whenever you take that juice in your other hand, you are saying that I believe in the priesthood of the believer. Jesus is my go-between. He's my only mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus. And I don't need a man to pray for me or somebody to pray for me to get me into heaven. They can pray to help me, but only the Lord Jesus can do that. Righteousness by inheritance. It cannot be done. And then he says, number two, there is a righteousness by works. And it can't be done. Let's read this. Romans 3. They're short verses, but sounds like a lot, but it's not. Verses 9 through 19. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. See, Paul's still wrapping it up. He's tying the knot in it all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles, in other words, the whole world, are under sin. As it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Folks, the Pharisees, you'll read this statement a lot. It'll talk about the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, and the scribes. You'll hear those groups constantly listed in in especially the New Testament. And truthfully, outwardly, they were more, quote, religious and spiritual than any of us in this room. They really were. They, they would carry around a, a, a leather box on their head called a phylactery with, with scriptures in it and they would make them really big so everybody would notice them or they would put them up here on this part of their arm and make them really big so people would notice them. They tried hard not to offend the law. They, listen, they would give one-tenth of even the spices in their cabinet to the Lord. They would tie that. And they prayed. And, and, and they, uh, they probably read daily devotions out of the upper room, the daily bread, Jesus calling, and everything else. And with all this going on and the thousands of people standing around, the Lord Jesus looked at that. And he looked at all those people. And that's when he said, Except your righteousness goes beyond theirs, is greater than theirs. In no way will you enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what I'd say? Ain't no way that you're going to make it. And people today, I see it on the news. When I read some of the things on Facebook, the posts that some people give, people are working as hard as they can to get to heaven, to produce a righteousness that God will accept. And it says, I believe it's in Titus, that it is not by works of righteousness that we have done. Folks, I'm going to tell you something that has just really consumed me in a good way. And that is this, all of my works do not commend me before a holy God. My works condemn me before a holy God. That is why Paul said, and, and the Bible says, look, your righteousness is like a filthy rag. The things you think that you're doing that are so good. And people are working so hard. So Paul tells us three big things in verse 9 through 19, quickly. One, he says man is corrupt in his character, and he says man is corrupt in his conduct. And then he tells us why man is corrupt in his character and his conduct. Romans 3, 10, 12, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good. No, not one. Now, in the Greek grammar that is permissible. It's called a double negative. It is not allowed in the English language. We don't say, no, not one. They would mark you and put an F on it for that. But in the Greek, it is perfectly okay. Paul is trying to make a point here that we won't miss. Well, pastor, that might be good for 99.9% of the people, but I'm telling you, man, my grandma or my mother, they were a righteous woman. Listen, one of the great doctrines of the faith that we believe is called the total depravity of men. You say, well, preacher, I just don't know if I can swallow that total depravity. You don't have to swallow a man, it's in you. That's why David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. He didn't mean that the act of his mom and daddy getting together and producing him was a sin. He meant I have a sin nature that I got from them. They conceived me in sin. Paul says, as we just read, there is none righteous, no, not one. It's one of the reasons I believe in the virgin birth. If Jesus was born of a man, he couldn't be the perfect spotless lamb of God. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned, folks, in the world? All. Does that mean pastors? Does that mean the Pope? Yes. everybody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I remember some years back, it was in the 70s. Um, I was studying still then, wasn't in the ministry yet. And, um, it, there was a big discussion in seminaries, even a few of ours, but the one I remember really reading about that I still have the information about was at Dallas theological great school, still a great school, even, even at this, this moment, but they were having this discussion back then. Um, and I've got a book in my office right now by a man that I love and that I love his preaching and teaching, but they, they talk about, well, we don't need to ask Jesus into our heart. You know, in fact, it's unbiblical to ask Jesus into your heart. Well, I believe it certainly is because I believe my heart is a thing that's deceitful, that the Bible says above all things. And and, in Romans 10, uh, 10 and 11 says, for it is with your what? Heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess that and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You listen, you're only going to make it to heaven if you go God's way. And God's way is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not a Baptist way to heaven. There's not a Pentecostal way to heaven. There is only God's way. And that is Jesus must declare you righteous. Romans 3.11, there is no one, Paul said, that understands who seeks after God. One of the great thrills that I've had in the last month has been, again, the Lord sometimes just consumes me with things. And it's one of them is this, that salvation is all of God. Men can't do one little drop of anything. God did it all, God prepared it. God brought it to to man. He created the earth. He put man on the earth. He did all that. He knew that we would sin, so he decided before the foundation of the world what he was going to do. So he sent his son Jesus. He died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again. And then once that's all done, now what do we have to do? do? He does that. He calls us to him. The Bible says no man comes to the Lord unless he's drawn. So the Holy Spirit draws us like right now. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. He's drawing you. He draws you to himself. And then when you come, salvation and it's all him. We don't have a th- we, we can't claim one thing about it. It's all by God. Romans 3: 12 through 17, real quickly again, all have turned away, they've together become worthless. There's no one that does good, not even one. Throats are open graves. Tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers on their lips. Does that not sound like America? Mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. Paul is saying again, man is corrupt in his character. And because of that, he's corrupt in his conduct. But then he tells us why. Why man is corrupt in his character and conduct. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I love it, and it's very appropriate that we sing, and and listen, most all the songs that are in the hymnals or the newer songs today that we sing up on the screens, they they talk a lot about the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the consolation of the Lord and what he does in our life. And man, that is good because life's tough. And we face that an awful lot. But there's another little part of it that I wish we would balance. Because my Bible and your Bible says that, at the, that the Lord has given him, Jesus, a name above all names. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when I read that, I think, you know what, we might learn to respect him a little bit more and reverence him than we are doing. And you know what? People uh, would probably think that I was crass by trying to give them a healthy fear of an almighty God or try to get this country to have a fear of offending and provoking a holy and a righteous God. I thought about, and I'll be closing here in a minute, Third point only takes about a minute. When I was very young, and I believe I was five, I might have been four, but I believe I'd turned five. When we moved from the woods on an old dirt, sandy road in Red Level into Crystal River on a paved road, 495 Citrus Avenue. And I don't remember many big moments, of course, being four or five. There's only a couple of things that I remember about that. One of them was my mother taking me by the hand and walking me out to the side of that paved road and saying, don't let me ever catch you playing near this road. See, there was traffic. We had no traffic on our road before, but there was traffic, not a lot, but still traffic on 495. She said, because if you do, I'm going to wear you out. Do you all know what that means? Okay. So, don't let me catch you playing on that road. You know what? I don't know if my mother cared whether I stayed out of that road because I feared her or loved her, but the fact that I stayed out of that road. And I believe it's okay for us to have a healthy fear of an almighty God, of what's going to happen when we die. And that brings us to the third point righteousness by grace, it must be done. Jim Summers, pastor, was, I was at a Daytona Beach. It was Daytona, First Baptist Daytona Beach. And he was preaching there, uh, special service. And I remember him telling this story uh, that had happened to him. He said, I was um, giving a decision time, and a few people came forward. And this lady came forward, said she was very, you could tell, very well-to-do, dressed nicely, and I was praying with her, uh, the, the prayer for her to receive Christ. And he said it was going pretty well, and I was praying about you know, thanking the Lord for saving and dying and for, on this cross for us, and, and said, Lord, because I know I'm a hell-deserving sinner. Silence. So he, he repeated it. Lord, because I know I'm a hell-deserving sinner. Silence. He said she opened her eyes and looked at him, And said, but I'm not a hell deserving sinner. Folks, that may not sound graceful or polite to let people know that, but it is true. You must believe the gospel message about Jesus. And and what are you going to get saved for unless you're saved from something? That is why you will see Jesus and John the Baptist, Paul, them saying, look, you must repent and believe both. And so I want to ask you today, if you have the kind of righteousness that God is demanding, and I want to ask you to come today, some of you just as you are, and let him declare you righteous. And he will to do it. It will be forever. You'll never have to worry again. So could I have you to bow your heads close your eyes with me this morning? I know there's a lot of you in here And you've already made that decision. I know that. So if you know for sure that you've trusted Christ, you don't have to do it again. You don't have to keep coming every time the invitation is given. However, if you're not sure, there's no better time than now. So I would ask you right now if you would like, and again, I'm not going to come where you are, I'm not going to point you out but I would love to be able to pray and pray effectively. If you would just say, Pastor, I I want biblical righteousness and I know it's by grace now and it's simple. I come to Jesus. Sorry for my sin and believing in him and I would like to do that today. Would you raise your hand and leave it up for me for a minute? I'm over here to my left. Anybody, would you leave it up? Thank you. Anybody, leave it up. Over here in the center section, would you raise your hand and leave it up for me? God bless you. Over here to my right, over to my right, anyone over here that you say, would you pray for me? All right. Those of you that raised your hand, if you would pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me enough to want me to be with you in heaven. And Lord, I know like that pastor up there, I am a hell-deserving sinner, but I believe in your love and your grace and your forgiveness. And if I ask you, you will forgive me of everything I've ever done or ever will do, and I will be your child forever. So I'm asking you right now, come into my heart and be my Savior. And if you prayed that prayer, I would ask you that now, when we stand in just a moment, to do something that I know is uh, difficult for some people, and that is to ask you to come. And one of our ministers up here has a book that we would like to give you. And those of you that raised your hand, would you be so nice as to take that bulletin that you got? rip off that section that rips off and just just write your name and give it to one of us so that we can pray for you and say thank you to the Lord for for your salvation if you felt anything at all during that service I believe it was the Holy Spirit asking you to move So let's stand and sing this great little chorus and ask you to come. Some of you come that raise your hand and lead the others. Would you come? Don't, don't wait.
3: Those of you that raise your hand over
0: here, would you come? Come. Come, come. Come. Bless you. Thank you, brother. Glory and grace. Thank
1: you.
0: There's still time for you. This is the best, the best time you're ever going to have to make a life-changing decision. face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit thank you for your work in people's lives. Thank you for moving their spirit in order to come to you and be saved. And thank you so much, Lord, for righteousness that only you can give. We look forward to that day when we see you face to face. And we thank you for those in this room that made a decision today. In Christ's name we pray, amen.